He kōnā e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Our home was in the village because the houses there belonged to our nannies. They belonged to the Tiawai um, Imanuko, belonged to Auntie Bella, um, Tuhoro Matakaka belonged to Maggie Papakura, and Tuki Terangi belonged to um, another member of the family. So the three houses were always there and are still there on the hill in Whakarewarewa. So you can go into the village today, the homes are still there. Tuki Terangi is not there anymore. Um, but um, that, So that's our home, so we always feel, you know, so we go into the village, I, I, I call it um, my favourite word, and I, I took a copy this morning, <laughs> and it's called Carencia. Carencia is a Spanish word, and it talks about, uh, it's about a bull um, feeling uh, strident and confident in, in the, in the centre of the bull ring, and that's why a place where one's strength is drawn, where one feels at home, the place where you are your most authentic self. Where you feel your most authentic self. Think about it. Where is that place for you? For June Grant, it is the Whakarewarewa Māori village in Rotorua, where the steam rises from the village Ngāwhao Hot Springs, and the stores still sell their arts and crafts. They've been doing it for many, many years. Today, however, the village remains closed in the wake of COVID-19. But it's still home, in a sense. The village itself has um, survived for um, over 100 years in in tourism, Um, more than that, since before the um, eruption in 1886. We were guiding visitors, Manuhiri, through the village. Um, and that's the, the one of the longest um, employment, you know, the longest levels of empo- employment for any job in New Zealand has been the guiding tradition. June Grant, a mum, former business owner, model, breast cancer advocate, health worker and artist, joins me on the show. We talk about the maramataka, her whānau, the village at Whakarewarewa and how social media has challenged and changed the art landscape. Ko June Northcroft Grantahau, um, nō te aroa, mai makatū ki Tongariro, i te taho o taku koraua ko Afi Northcroft, nō Ngāti Tuwhari tō ahau, i te taho o taku kuia ko Rihiwaka, nō uh, Ngāti Wāheau, Tūhaurangi, uh, nō Whakarewarewa ahau. E aku nui i aku rahi nau mai tahuti mai ki ngā kaupapa kōrero e hariaki nei. This is Tiahi Ka, ko Justin Murray, ahau. June is a descendant of Makariti Papakura, a famous guide at Whakarewarewa Village, guide Maggie, as she was popularly known as. Now, she was famous for taking royalty on guided tours. Early photos show a confident, beautiful and a clever woman of her time. In 1911, Makariti took her kapahaka group to London to attend King George V's coronation. She had taken King George 
on a tour of the village in 1901. Margaret also had a friendship with Richard Staples Brown. They had been writing letters to each other. Eventually this blossomed and Margaret would leave the village in 1912, bound for England. In 1926, Margaret enrolled at Oxford University to study anthropology. However, Margaret died in 1930, aged 56. Her academic work, which included a body of knowledge that was ratified by her elders, featured in the 1938 publication, The Old Time Māori. Her name comes up all the time. Yes. I have her postcards. I'm, I work with, um, recently an exhibition was opened in Oxford um, using her images, using her photos, and they said we, we needed to include Makariti Papakura in this um, exhibition because of her anthropological yes. um, background when she wasn't considered an anthropologist because she was a Māori woman studying her own culture. Mm. So usually anthropologists study somebody else's yes. culture. So she wasn't sort of credited with That's why her book, The Old Time Māori, wasn't given any precedence and, and, and it was republished by Ngahui Atiawe Kotuku mm. and her work and her taonga come up all the time and of course her postcards are I collect her postcards and so she's in our lives often and I there was a, a quote by somebody who said uh, you're not really dead until somebody until they stop mentioning your name and I thought she's still alive in our life we, we mention her name every day and she's such an inspiration so she's probably one of my motiva- motivating tupuna in, in terms you know I think of what would Maggie do what would she have done because she was out of the box with a lot of... I mean, she was divorced in 1898, something like that. And when you look at the implications of that, it was a Victorian colonial period, so it wouldn't have been considered seemly for um, anybody to be divorced, that you you know, you know stick with your, your... You make your bed and you lie in it and you stay there forever and ever because of the impositions of, of both religion and Victoriana. And she was able to shrug, shrug that off and go, I'm doing it anyway. And I, I, think, I just think it's amazing if you look at in of context of being different and standing up. And so she must have known that. And, and they, you know, obviously the people that knew her when the book was published said she, she succeeded because she knew who she was. So she had no problems with uh, herself and her skin, you know. And she didn't care what people thought. No, but to travel to England, I mean, it's not like us saying, oh, I'm going to England next week. Oh, it's going to take me two days to get there. Oh, I've got two bags. She packed up her meeting house with the mahi off the front. She packed, she packed it onto a tray with a horse and gig and it went off to Auckland and got put on the ship and then they all went up and got on the ship and they went to England and eight weeks later they got there and they unpacked the, the ship and they put it up in the in, in at this park at the Crystal Palace and had this big exhibition there and then came home again. I mean, who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Where is Maggie buried? She's buried in Oddington. Oddington. In, just out of Oxford and, does, and yes, England. And a right. lot of people have visited. We've seen the, the um, visitor's book and it's got people. It's, oh! All the and the visitor's Everybody book. goes there. Yeah, all the... Because her papers are still in the museum at Pitt River Museum. 
And so a lot of academics, because it was all, as she described, life in our village. So really, that was a huge, um, it was a Bible for us, because it described day by day the the, the fishing, the, the preparing of the kai, the everything about our village. And the whakapapa was all there, written by her. The Waiata Poi Pakete Whero to mean the red scarf of Tuhurangi Ngatiwahiao in Otrua, one of June Grant's iwi affiliations. On an overcast morning, I met June at her workplace. Uh, we are at my office. We're at, uh, I work for Te Arawa Whānau Order. Every morning um, our group meet together for karakia and I heard this morning that it's a gr- really great day for planting. So uh, that weather out there is indicative of the seasons to come and planting and what have you. So um, it's, a, it's amazing to work in an organisation that looks at uh, the, worldly, the world as it is as we start our day. It's a reference to who we are and where we come from. Uh, sometimes Sometimes there'll be days when they say it's a huna day, which is like there'll be people out there hiding their agenda today. <laughs> but there and there are days where um, the Rako Nui days when it's really high energy and yes. we're encouraged to do as much work as we can, do all those big projects that we've left. So as an artist, that's a good time to know about the painting. So you can actually paint with a lot of energy and a lot of inspiration. So. They're just good for our um, general ahua, the maramataka, and where we are in our environment and our universe. June grew up largely outside of Whakarewerewa. She went to school in Whanganui and Wairua. Her dad, Major Henry William Northcroft, was part of the 28th Māori Battalion. Well, that part of my life really started um, with my father coming back to the village. In fact, he was raised in the village. He was raised in the village mm. by his grandmother. Uh, he was born in 1914 and came over by horse and gig when he was three months old to live with his grandmother. His grandmother, Rakeda, had asked for him. So um, he arrived here, and of course, um, he was obviously still being breastfed. So his grandma, when she looked after him, his kuya, uh, would feed him, called Pinu Pinu. They chewed the food and um, and that's that was his upbringing. I wished I'd talked to him more about that life in the village, but he did later on uh, speak to a cousin on, on uh, one of these interviews, mm-hmm. and uh, he talked about how they lived on the hill overlooking Whakarewerewa, and he would often walk up the hill and then pull his nan up behind him, and they would sit on the hill and they'd watch all the people going into the village, and he'd say, queer would tell me about all the people going in and we'd laugh and he was 12, he said I was 12 before I realised I had parents and his nan was sick and he had to go back to Waitahanui. His um, grandmother was Rakeda who was um, cousin to um, Pia Ngarotu who was the mother of Maggie Papakura mm. um, and so Auntie Bella, Bella Papakura, Maggie's sister was our grandmother's sister as well and they, they my, so my father spent time in the village living with Rakeda or up at Auntie Bella's house. It was June's father that would plant that early seed of creativity. 
this little picture which I can still see in my mind's eye, and of Dad showing me. What what is the picture of? Oh, that was just a, it was a lake and a mountain and a duck on the water and 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 it was it was just a simple. But I would have only been about three or four, and that was my earliest memory. So when I was twenty one, I uh, attended the Māori Arts and Crafts Institute with um, Emily Schuster, and I I was taught pupu uh, pew making, and that was a, a really fabulous time of my life too to be part of that. So I've always had a hankering for um, both art and craft, but I married quite young and and raised my children and didn't consider an option or a career in art until they were opening a course at Wairiki called, um, it was uh, Visual Arts Māori, and um, a man called uh, Ross Hemera was the tutor, and um, Bob Yonke um, mm. came along a couple of years later. And so we had some great artists that were able to... Um, you know, it was an art course, and it was a four-year course, and uh, so I completed that. I did a visual arts um, diploma, and so part of my inspiration for my work was from where I'd come, and it was from the village of Whakarewarewa. COVID-19 has impacted a number of businesses around the country. Many have closed their doors permanently. Whakarewarewa is a living Māori village, which means it's home to the whānau residents. The gate remains closed to visitors. We've lived through disasters. We've lived through the wars. We've lived through um, other pandemics when the flu, the yeah. Spanish flu hit New Zealand in 1915 or 1917 and killed whole families, wiped out whole families of people. So this is similar, except that it didn't actually quite get to us at this stage. Mm. Um, but we've got a long way to go still. So the village is still closed. We are not open to any tourism at the moment. And we're just um, biding our time and waiting for um, things to return to normal when our borders are open but we have to be so careful because our our community is pretty marginalised in lots of areas, particularly health and, and, and job losses and other things so we just have to hunker down look for the best way forward wherever that might be. Well, when it comes to the village, June, who, who is responsible for saying you know, Katiata Kiti? There are um, committees in the village, of course, right. that, that, that look after um, the uh, everything to do with the village, yeah. you know, the tourism um, uh, product as well as um, what happens with our um, tangi and other things, with the meeting house being there as well. So that's always consensus. That's always the people um, being consulted about what happens. And it's for the um, – looking at our, our elderly, how many old people do we have in the village, how many young ones, what are the risks – one of the main themes in June's work is about acknowledging Māori women. In 1989, June graduated from Wairiki Polytechnic, now named Toi Ohomai, with a diploma in the arts, which at the time was a four-year course. Her art has exhibited in galleries around the world. Heni Mihi I painted because it was a two-haurangi house that um, uh, talked about our tribal, the, the eruption of Mount Tarawera. So I completed that series, but... To do that, um, we we had a meeting at Whakarewarewa. My father came to the meeting and we asked permission to be able to paint the houses of our village. So that was my my 
the end of my exhibition, you know, my exhibition for the end of, of my study. So they're all over the place now. They're, the paintings went to, I've, I've got one um, painting left of that series, but they were based on, on Fuddy. So the houses, the paintings were shaped like that. So they were shaped um, on the mahi in the, uh, the meeting house. What have been some of the actual key themes in your in your work over the years? Um, well, always it has been a powerful woman in our tribe because mm. in the meeting house the carvings are depicting the stories of the great warriors and a lot of our women are also depicted in our house and, and, and at Wahiao we have um, Whakawotirangi and, and Henemoa of course uh, you know great ancestresses of our tribe here so they're often depicted in meeting houses and I thought oh, you know where are the others where are all the others that, that you don't hear about and so I, I did lots of series of paintings of the women from um, our ancestral region, women from Te Arawa. I st- it, even with Whakawotirangi coming on the um, waka to Aotearoa, um, Kearoa, mm. um, Hinimihi and others. So I'm always inspired by... Um, you know the the great women warriors in our in our tribal groups because they were obviously on the same waka with our men and I had a Hawaiian friend that was visiting and she said, "Oh, weren't weren't Maori women brave?" And I went, "Yeah." Why do you say that? And she said, well, when they left um, Hawaii, that they got onto the waka with all the men, that um, there were so many tapu, there were tohunga on the the waka who were tapu. So um, women had to go outside of the canoe if they had their mate, for example. So they would swim with the sharks and she... They, and she commented on that. She said because they couldn't stay on, on board, um, so they would just be put outside the, the, the waka, which is, like, amazing. So you swim with sharks, you consider that, that you would still go. In 2010, June was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for her services to Māori art and breast cancer awareness. Now, earlier this year, she featured in an episode on Tiahika, where she talked about discovering a lump in her breast. Got to, I was overseas in New York. I was watching something on television and I was lying on a bed with my hands on my chest, as you do, just relaxing, and I felt a lump with my middle finger. I thought, that's a bit unusual. Now, that was in 2002. June got a check-up and three months later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. During that time, she created a series of artwork she called Her Legacy Paintings. Today, June is in remission. Um, you know, and you said, uh, you know, where do you get your inspiration from? Often it is from personal things. You know, as I said, when I went through um, that cancer journey and I was at a time when I really thought I was going to die and I thought I need to leave something behind, I need to leave something for my children so I'll paint the series of, of how this affected me um, and so that happens to artists all the time, things that really you know, affect your way of being and you um, want to illustrate that in some ways mm. and, um, and I'm glad I had the energy to do that because now that I'm older I get t- too tired <laughs> and it's like oh I've got the inspiration, I just don't have the energy. <laughs> hey, I, I, I so feel you. But back to the conversation about her art. Here we talk about how art has changed via social media, the close ties she still has with her artist mates, and the whereabouts of her art today. Well, when I first started out, the groups that were available were the um, Napuna Waihanga, of course, and they were... 
young and exciting, and it was people like um, Paramatchet, and um, but it was a group of artists. So there was Hone Tufare who was, um, you know, doing amazing poets. Absolutely, yeah. there was Georgina Kirby was still just coming out of, but she had a painting career. Um, Elizabeth Ellis was a wonderful painter. There were and um, Katarina Mataira, mm. and they were people that actually went into other areas of, of education and real Katarina Mataira was Maori language. Um, so they ha- had a short career, but it was still for us as, as young artists looking to them as, as our role models in that area because the the art at that stage hadn't really come out until people like um, Cliff Whiting. Arnold they, Wilson. Arnold Wilson. They were all in that group. They took it out of the meeting house and, and put it into the into an area that had never been exhibited like that before. So art became normal in art, art exhibitions. And I mean, Tarmoko wasn't even wasn't even a, a, a going concern yeah. at that stage. We it was still a, a, a fairly simple practice that that um, only was only performed by on a few by a few people but now it's very common so it's lovely to see that that art form has flourished in our community but those artists um, help that making normalizing our art and when you say normalizing do you mean getting it out from the whare that you just yes. said before into yes. galleries well how else do you see it that's right because for Māori, it's our um, it's something that we see all the time because we're often in our meeting houses, but nobody else sees it. What are some of those pieces that kind of really stand out to you over the years, maybe as a gift, as koha? Well, you do, of course, you do um, make great friends, and, yeah. and those friendships are still maintained, of course, but um, um, it's hard just to, to think <laughs> of, of Derek Lardelli as Sir Derek because he's he's... Just such an awesome character and funny, and uh, I sort of think, oh, I don't remember that other side, that that dignified statesman. But he is short, certainly in there. Um, so it, the piece that Derek did was was beautiful, and it's um, at the uhi, the carving tool. So all of those works are really, really significant, and and. Uh, and wonderful and I see them every day and, and love them. But that's what happens when you're an artist too. You exchange or or you're <laughs> in, the, in the moment. You you do things like, you know, give something that's precious to somebody that you really like and want them to have the work. So, But um, I always think that these works go back to the family anyway, mm. you know, that it only stays in your life for a short time and then it's returned to the family. Who are some of the artists that you admire? I might offend somebody if I mention names, but there are just everyone that works in the art area I admire. Um, there are some genres that I prefer, though. Um, my mate and mentor Sandy Ed said I do have his his uh, you know his some of his painting, and I love the work that all of them. Yeah, without exception, Cliff Whiting, Para Matchett, wow, all the greats. <laughs> yes, yep. In the last few years of the Spirit Wrestler Gallery too, they found that our, the larger artworks were still, um, they couldn't move them as much as the smaller works because people were running out of space and some of their collectors, who are serious collectors, have rooms full of Māori art and Native American art as well and they've run out of room. They can't put anything in anywhere. Well, once you do a work and it's sold and it's hanging somewhere overseas it mm. You know, that, that sits well with you? It's kind of like this absolutely, release? Absolutely, absolutely. Because 
in this day of, of being able to see things, I mean, you, you don't need museums anymore because you can just go and Google a piece and you'll see it and you can turn it around in a 3D and you can you don't need to go. The idea of museums in the old days were collecting great works of art for people who couldn't access them. So if you lived in England and you didn't travel the world, there were no planes then or even mm. ships were, were um, few and far between that you had to go to the museum to see a beautiful carved piece from New Zealand. But now you can just Google it from home. So that's why I think that a lot of the work should be repatriated, that a lot of our work in other museums and parts of the world now, art pieces should be returned so that we can see them here. So I have no, I don't, I don't have any longing for any <laughs> of my art pieces that yeah. are, that are Hennemore is in a lovely house in Vancouver. Oh, so you know. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. You generally know where your paintings end up because the buyers still keep in touch with you. Um, oh, that's awesome. I yes. didn't know that that's yes. what kind of goes on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. So you know where they all are. Some pieces, pieces I've lost, you know, I've lost... Oh, I can't remember who who that who bought that piece, mm. and the works that I have over the years. So the artists know, you know, because mm. you actually spend so much time on those pieces that obviously they're a little piece of your DNA. Et te mare kura o tuhorangi ngati wahiau neira te mihi maioha kia koe. June Grant no Nati Tufaretua, Tuhorangi Ngati Wahiao, artist and health promoter. Now, for more information about June and her Tupuna Makariti Papakura, head to rnz.co.nz forward slash Tiahika. Now, June did give a kōrero or a lecture about Makariti Papakura in 2018 as part of the Waitangi Ruaroto lectures. Now, that is available on the RNZ website as well. That's the show for the week. Don't forget you can download the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Just search RNZ Tiahika. Mama Noiho. Join me next Sunday evening. Tēnā tato katoa.